When we hold on to grievance and pain from the past, we keep ourselves from being able to really move into our fullest expression of self. We need to practice forgiveness from the soul recovery perspective, dissipating the energy and releasing the past for good. If you're interested in this profound transformation, I invite you to join me in Colorado the weekend of June 8th and 9th to have an incredible experience with others on this same soul recovery journey. Two full days of immersion in the soul recovery process where you will indeed leave transformed. You will be able to truly let go of these old pains and step into a new way of being. Check out the show notes for a coupon code and how to register. My name is Reverend Rachel Harrison, and this is the Recover Your Soul podcast, a spiritual path to a happy and healthy life. I started Recover Your Soul after having profound changes in my life from my recovery of alcoholism, control addiction, and codependency. I was guided to share the tools and principles of spirituality and soul recovery to help others transform their lives as mine was transformed. For us to overcome external circumstances, we must first turn the attention to ourselves, focusing on inner change. Outer positive results in our lives will follow. As a spiritual coach, I can support you on your path to make real changes that will bring you a life of peace, happiness, connection, and abundance. Visit the website recoveryoursoul.net to book coaching sessions, read the blog, listen to some of my original music, and subscribe to receive email updates. I think of Recover Your Soul as a community. Follow us on social media and join the private Facebook group to support each other and connect. For an extra episode each week, and to support this podcast, become a Patreon member or subscribe on Apple Podcasts. Together, we can do the work that will recover your soul. Welcome back to Recover Your Soul. Thank you so much for joining me here today. If you are new to the Recover Your Soul community, welcome. And if you're coming back, I am just so grateful that you're here and part of this special community. Today's episode is going to be about anxiety, because this is a word that we just use so flippantly, so readily. And I think it's because there is so much of it, this fear, this worry, what we call anxiety. So I wanted to talk about anxiety in terms of soul recovery. And I relate to this because I was an incredibly anxious person. And through the soul recovery, through the recovery of alcoholism, I don't feel that same level of anxiety that I used to. And so for many of you that are reaching out, or even just people I talk to, I hear this word anxiety so much. And my heart just knows exactly how that feels. And I also know the transformation that's happened in my life from doing some changes in my life. So let's talk about it. So what is anxiety, right? So what is the definition that we're going to use for anxiety? And we're going to talk about anxiety as intense, excessive, and persistent worry and fear. Persistent and excessive worry and fear. Part of what that comes from is what we talk about in soul recovery, which is the powerlessness, the desire to control, the desire to have certainty and to know what's coming. And that when we don't have that, that it feels really uncomfortable. 
And most of us came from a place where maybe it's our childhood or in relationship or through our learning that it doesn't give us permission to feel uncomfortable, that everyone around us has done all kinds of things throughout our lives to create the certainty, to create the comfort. And so we do everything from drink to eat, to play video games, to watch TV, to shopping, to love addiction, all these things that we do, we do to soothe ourselves. And then when we do almost all of these things, we are letting go of the controls and we're handing it over to something else that we're trying to get to fill us up. But it doesn't fill us up. It creates anxiety. And I know for me how anxiety played out started a long time ago. I think that my feelings of wanting to be part of and being in um, social situations as a kid where I felt uncomfortable, that level of discomfort was so profound in my body that I didn't feel safe. I didn't feel like there was a place for me. And I remember this one situation. I was in Santa Fe and it was before I was I was in elementary school. So I was going to say before even maybe school age, it seems probably, probably early, early elementary school. And there was a girls club, a boys and girls club just down the street from where I lived um, in Santa Fe. And they used to take us on activities and, you know, go do special things. And most of the time I enjoyed doing those things. But a lot of those times I felt that feeling, that discomfort. So I think that that was the beginning of anxiety. So we went swimming one day and it was a big deal to get to go to a pool. I didn't swim very much when I was a kid and I was raised by my lovely, fantastic, crazy hippie parents and we had no money. And so doing things like going to a swimming pool was a pretty big deal. And so I didn't really know how to do the swimming pool very well. And I had worn my panties under my swimsuit. And so when I got out of the pool, I realized that my panties were wet. And so I wore my clothes without my underwear. And one of the girls started teasing me about how I didn't know what I was doing. And I felt so vulnerable and so afraid. And I remember that I thought, I can't ever be in a situation like this again, that it wasn't life-threatening, but as a first or second grader, I felt so exposed because it had to do with my body and my body parts. And it's interesting that this situation, I think, did affect me going forward about not wanting to be exposed, of being teased and rejected and ridiculed for something that was such a simple mistake. And that discomfort, I remember the feeling of that discomfort in my body of being this little girl. There wasn't really a place for me to put that. We don't really know as children where to put that level of anxiety or fear or worry. I'm worried that I'm going to get teased again. I'm afraid that I'm going to be rejected. I feel uncomfortable. And as I got older and older and I had repeated patterns of this level of rejection and this level of discomfort, 
that in my body and in my mind that I didn't really know how to hold it. And so the instant that I found something that relieved me of that feeling, I was 100% on road for that. And that for me ended up being drinking. And I was a, most of you know, if you've listened to the podcast, I was a terrible drinker in the beginning, actually. I threw up all the time. I was always sick. But I liked that beginning feeling that allowed me to let go of that intense uncertainty that I felt. And as I moved forward in life, and I'm now I'm using alcohol on a regular basis as a catalyst to, to try to temper that discomfort, then I started getting into the place where I was wanting to control the world around me. And when things weren't the way that felt comfortable for me, that anxiety would creep in again, that unknowing what was going to happen or if it was going to be safe or it was going to be okay or was someone going to be angry or was I going to be rejected? Is it going to work out okay? When I went to college at CU in Boulder was the first time that I went to a doctor and got prescribed antidepressants. And what I realized over the years in playing with antidepressants and drinking and lifestyle choices that were really about the fact that from a very early age, I didn't know how to allow these feelings to just work through me. And part of that was because I played this good little girl role that I didn't act out in any way. I also wasn't athletic, so I didn't have a place for my body to move and to express that energy out. You know, so many people that are runners or exercise or dancers or whatever that physical activity is, there is a place for that to sort of work its way out. And mine just got more and more and more constricted inside of me, inside of my body and inside of my mind. And by the time I got to where we had kids and, you know, so much of my life was this, you know, like all of us, we have lots of good stuff that happens, lots of good times, lots of times with friends. So it's not like every single second I was completely overpowered by these feelings, but underneath the surface was this constant worry, this constant level of fear that was very, mm, it's almost like a layer of thick lotion on your body, you know, that it's slippery and it, it just feels strange and you always know it's there, that it never went away, but it wasn't so intense all the time that it became something like what they call now a disorder, which means that it takes over your daily life, that these feelings that you have are interrupting your daily life. Just as an aside, I think that we should be very cautious as human beings of labeling ourselves any of these things, which is a, which I think is really important, whether you've been an addict or whether you've had some disease or disorder, as soon as we label it to ourselves, we are not, in my opinion, and again, this is just me and my my thinking and how I feel like soul recovery is, is that when you label yourself, 
with something. I'm depressed. I have anxiety. I am an addict. I am. You are leaving the possibility of the hope. You're leaving the possibility that that is an aspect of you, but that is not you. And so I think that it's much healthier in the way that I've done it in my life now that I've moved forward is I'm working on my anxiety. I'm working on my depression. I'm working to recover from my addictions. I'm working on something. I am. I am whole. You are whole. You are not broken. You are not broken. And so as we deal with this anxiety, when we label it on ourselves as I am, I have, this belongs to me, we've decided to carry that luggage, that heavy burden on our shoulders. And I did that. So I think about my biggest times of anxiety, of course, were when the kids started getting older and it was past the time when they're little. It seems like it's hard up to 10 years old, but it's pretty cool because they're really reliant on you and you can fix almost anything with a nap or a snack or a hug. And then they get to that age where they're pretty much their own beings and they're doing and making their own choices. And we're at the part where they're starting to make their own choices and starting to express their full personalities. And my desire for control and my desire for certainty went off the charts. That discomfort that I felt that started when I was a little girl, that started from not just that situation at the pool, but, you know, a million other examples that go along with that of not knowing how to allow whatever's going to happen in life or whatever's coming at me to happen without my personally taking it on and feeling like it is mine to carry. That is anxiety. And it got so bad. And I was drinking so much at that point and also trying to take antidepressants, which of course don't work going together. And my mind was so fast and was just always spinning, trying to think of what the next solution was, how I could prevent the next situation, the next issue, how I could fix this, how I could make this happen, how I could do this for the kids, how I could make rich be like this. So busy, so many activities, so many things that it's like there's never a time for your brain or for my brain to stop spinning. And it is just kicking up the anxiety, which is the desire to know, to have certainty, to be sure that we can make something outside of us be the way that we want it to be, otherwise known as control. You know that control is my whole thing. That when we can be aware of the fact that we are attempting to control the outside world for our comfort, to make us not be uncomfortable, to make it turn out a way that would be better for us, we're actually causing our own suffering. So it's interesting because at some point I was popping the Prozac like crazy. I had like the highest level. I've tried all of them. I've been on 
oh my goodness, I've been in Wellbutrin and and I can't even remember all the all of them. Some of them are way stonier and weirder than other ones. Some of them were really hard to come off of, but I ended up, you know, where I was on Prozac and I'm taking the highest dosage that you can take. And I still have that thing that I know that some of you have where you just feel a tightness and your heart beats so fast and you get sweaty and and the stress inside of you is just so profound. That's a really painful place to be. And what started to happen and change for me when I decided that I wanted a different life, that I was ready to choose myself, that I didn't want to feel this level of anxiety and pain anymore. And I stopped drinking and I started taking responsibility for myself and I started choosing stillness. And in that stillness, there was still the whip of all of the things that I'm afraid of, all that worry what if my son kills himself? What if he dies an addict? What if my husband doesn't do recovery? What if my life falls apart? What if I get fired from my job? What if, what if, what if? And I stopped trying to fix it. And I stopped trying to find ways to manipulate it. And I stopped trying to think that it was my job to fix it for everybody else. And I started being still. And I started choosing calmness for myself. And I started to meditate. And I started to do the work that we've done in these episodes and that I do with my clients. I started to let go of all of the pressures of the outside world that I feel are my responsibility. I started to accept what is what if I get fired? What if Rich doesn't choose sobriety? What if my children don't choose sobriety? What if they're not okay? What if they're struggling? What if I'm struggling? Can I be okay? And what I found deep inside is that if I lean on my higher power and I come to a place where I am not responsible for the entire world around me. There's peace inside of me. There's a calm inside of me. There's a knowing inside of me. And when I listen to that knowing, that worry, that fear, that panic, that anxiety starts to open up and not grip me so tightly. And when it doesn't grip you so tightly, there's space and an opening for the intuitive guidance that comes from source, from a knowing that all that that has come before in your life doesn't dictate or determine the life that you can have today and going forward, that you don't have to be anything other than exactly who you are right now. And that started to release that anxiety. And I quit taking medication. Not only do I not drink to feel okay, I also don't take medication. What I replaced that with is soul recovery, is spirituality, is connection with myself, time for replenishing and filling myself up with things that are important to me that feel good, filling myself up with spiritual information, deep connection with other people, doing art 
playing music, being with friends, laughing. And as I've done this practice, it's taken time. This hasn't happened overnight. And it's not like the anxiety doesn't slowly start to creep back in. And then I can observe that it's coming back because I want to control something. I want certainty somewhere. But I can come back and I can say, can I look at it for what it is? Can I look at it and accept it for what it is? And can I even honor what it is sometimes, even when it's hard? And usually the answer is yes. And it's interesting that the more that I do this, the more that what seems like something that we didn't want to happen or that would have created so much fear and anxiety, there's a calm that allows the knowing that everything's working out. Even in dealing with something like watching my mom go through having her house burn, that I can trust and know that everything's working out and We are working on allowing her to just be in the process. And it will be interesting when we come five years down the road to look and say, wow, like who would have thought that this situation would have turned out this way? I trust and know that it's going to turn out in a beautiful way. And the choice is, are we, me, am I, speak for myself, going to worry and be in fear of what's going to happen versus just be present today. And I'm really working on that with my kids. And there are days when they're both doing great. And I just am so happy for them. I'm so happy for them because life is complicated. And then there's days where it's not easy for either one of them. They both are going through their own different things. And the anxiety used to be that it was my job to make sure that they were going to be okay, that I had to fix it, that if I did something different, then they would feel different, or that I just couldn't hold in my body and in my mind the knowledge that they're not okay today. And that was my anxiety. But with this practice, with this work, choosing stillness, choosing calmness, allowing my mind to slowly decompress, allowing myself to be uncomfortable, allowing what is, the anxiety is lessened and lessened and lessened to a point where I don't use that word very often in my life anymore. And letting go of control is a really big deal, really big deal, not easy. We are not given a whole bunch of support from the world to let go of control. But I promise you that if you can start to loosen the grip from it just a little, and then just a little more, the rewards are profound. If you haven't done a session with me and you're interested, let's work on it. Anxiety is such a big deal. And I also encourage you to not label yourself, I am anything that's negative. The only I am's that should come from you are positive affirmations. I am whole. I am healthy. I am happy. I am healed. I am one with spirit. I am joyous. I am creative. I am beautiful. Whatever it is, those are what we want to claim. We don't want to claim the negative. 
I hope this has been helpful. If you're also interested in being part of our support group that is the first Monday of every month on Zoom, go to the website and check it out. This is a great way for us all to connect with each other and give each other support and encouragement and inspiration while we're on our soul recovery journey. Until next time, namaste. Thank you for listening, and I hope this episode offered you tools, guidance, and inspiration on your journey to recover your soul. If you'd like some support and encouragement with your soul recovery, book a coaching session with me. When you're ready for change, it's amazing what can be done in just a few sessions. There's never any long-term commitment. This is your personal journey, and I'm just here to be a guide and assist you in connecting with your fullest and happiest self. Visit the website recoveryoursoul.net where you can find more about me, Rev. Rachel, book your spiritual coaching sessions, subscribe to receive email updates, and even listen to some of my original music. We thank you for supporting the production of this podcast by donating on the homepage or subscribing on Apple Podcasts or becoming a Patreon member. When you become a member or a subscriber, you're going to receive an extra bonus episode each week, and your support is really appreciated. By following, subscribing, and reviewing this podcast on your favorite platform, you're helping to spread the Recover Your Soul message. We hope that you will follow us on Instagram and Facebook, and even join the private Facebook group to become part of our transformational community. Together, we can do the work that will recover your soul. The Recover Your Soul podcast and its content is for educational purposes only and is not allied or representative of any organizations or religions. It's based on the opinions and experience of Reverend Rachel Harrison. Recover Your Soul claims no responsibility to any persons or entity for any liability, loss, damage, or cause alleged to be caused directly or indirectly as a result of its use. Applications or interpretations of the information represented herein. Take what you need and leave the rest.